The Christian Atheist is also available on YouTube, and you will find other great content, including the literature I frequently refer to, on our Simple Gifts podcast. If you find our content helpful, consider supporting us through PayPal at RomansChapter5 at Comcast.net. Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Qu'ils sont beaux les pieds. Hey, John. Hello, my love. How are you today? Good. Good. So here we are. This is actually our 11th episode. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to do something different. We're going to go away from the Chronicles of Narnia. Right. (laughs) Are we coming back to that again, do you think? I guess eventually we'll we'll finish the series. Okay, because you finished a series called The Evident Evidence and Faith. That was episodes on the Christian Atheist. Episodes 57. 58, 59, 60, and 61. Five episodes <laughs> it took you. Five um, episodes, yes. And um, it was a really important series for you. Yeah, very important. Mm-hmm. It kind um, of brings you full circle back to the present from the beginning of the Christian Atheist. Takes, right. You know, takes the listener on your journey of faith, and then it brings you to right now. Right. Yeah, what it, you've learned since you've come back to the Lord. In a really interesting way. And I didn't know this when I started the series. It brought me all the way back to our first series, mm-hmm. which was the machinery of the looking glass. Right. And I would suggest to all our listeners to go back and listen again to those first, so I think it's seven, eight mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's like the second and the second through the ninth or the second through the tenth. Mm-hmm. Machinery and ha- of the Looking Glass. Yeah, I was going to say it's called the Machinery of the Looking Glass. All you have to do is put the Christian Atheist, the Machinery of the Looking Glass. It right. should come up. It should come up in Google. And this series actually ends with, and that's why I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very much it tells what happened in my head better than the Machinery of the Looking Glass right. does. Now the problem is what. The five episodes are really dense. Very dense, which <laughs> so, brings me to the point that I was going to start this whole thing with mm-hmm. before we took off onto that. Right. That we originally conceptualized No Compromise mm-hmm. as trying to explain in more common and conversational ways some of the difficult concepts that we deal with here on The Christian Atheist. Right. Because as Jenny tells me, and she's absolutely right, <laughs> I tend to be both long-winded mm-hmm. and extremely complex. Right. And that makes it difficult, I know, for many listeners to follow me. Um, and my brothers and others have told me this as well. Mm-hmm. In fact, many people in the church say, yeah, I listen to that. It's kind of deep. <laughs> we get that a lot. And so no compromise <clears throat> is kind of like the taming of John. Yes, the taming of the John. <laughs> um, and that's how we originally conceptualized right. it. But when we finally got around to doing it, the Dobbs decision broke. Mm-hmm. And so that carried us away. And we were so bogged down in that, we just wanted to try something lighter. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up doing the Chronicles of Narnia. And here we are on the 11th episode, actually undertaking what the whole purpose of No Compromise was at first. Right. (laughs) Um, But I've had an awful lot of fun doing these over the past 10 episodes with you. And I'm looking forward to this one to see how it goes. Okay. So there's five episodes we're going to cover. We've got to do it in a short amount of time. Yes. You have to <laughs> you have to not mention Hegel. <laughs> you have to not read long portions of tech. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> you know you gave me three conditions on the last one and right. I failed on all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can't cry. That's number four now. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's anything to cry that. about in this one. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're gonna try to stick to it. Okay. All right, so the um, we'll start with episode 57. And one of the things, if you're interested, you can, after each section of this No Compromise, we'll start with episode 57. You could turn this off, go to episode 57 and listen to it. I think that might be useful. Yeah. Right, and then come back here for episode 58. Because right. this, this episode today with No Compromise is sort of like the cliff notes to... Right. Evident Evidence and Faith, right. episodes 57 through 61. Okay, so we start with episode 57, and you start the whole series with a quote. 
by yes. William Blake. Mm-hmm. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye. Right. Why did you choose that quote? Right. And in a lot of ways, this encapsulates the entirety of what yes. I'm trying to express in this episode. Mm-hmm. And so that brings us to what is the theme of this whole series? I would make the claim that being is something that is revealed to us. That's the evident, huh? And that's what we mean by the evident, right. yes. Right. Okay. And this first episode is really concentrated on the notion of the evident mm-hmm. itself. You draw a distinction between evident and evidence right throughout the series between the evident and evidence right. and you don't you don't sit there and you know define it you define it throughout the entire series so you right. have to listen and by the final the episode i i sort of offer yeah, definitions we're going, of it we're gonna we're gonna actually discuss those later right. but it's yeah. a long process and do you want to like a minute or two tell us what your motivation was yeah this was a very important episode for me and series of episodes because in my discussions, my Facebook discussions, I ended up running across a series of people who would throw questions to me about the nature of evidence and say, well, just give me evidence for God. Mm -hmm. And it seems like as many times as I get this, I don't have a good way of answering it because I know what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. And they're not asking it in a legitimate way. They're asking it as a way to trip you up. Right, right. Because what my usual response to them is, well, what sort of evidence for God would you accept? Mm -hmm. You know, are you looking for like crap in the woods? Like that shows you evidence of a deer? Mm -hmm. Because you're not ever going to find that sort of evidence for God. That's not who God is. That's not how we find evidence for him. Right. And so I thought to myself, well, I believe in God. And I don't believe in God because I have no evidence. I believe in God because of the overwhelming evidence that I have for him. But what does that mean? And so I tried to explore that issue specifically. Okay, good. You kept it within a minute. Good. (laughs) Okay. And and I remember also about that same time, the Mount Ebal tablet came out. And that was something that got you thinking about evidence. evidence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In fact, there was a whole series of things going on at that time. And you did an actual episode on the Mount Ebal tablet. Um, Stay tuned because they're supposed to be releasing the paper, the Mm -hmm. scholarly paper on that. And we'll do an update on that upcoming. Right. Um, right. I'm very excited about that. So, you know, look up the, uh, what is that one called? It's episode 52. Um, called The Curse Tablet, Archaeology and Faith. Okay, so let's get back to episode 57. Now, you break it down into three main points, rational differentiation, corrigibility, and value. Right. So you want to start with, let's start with rational differentiation. Okay, so we begin by trying to get the general notion of what it is that human rationality consists of. So we started with the first point is rational differentiation. And you said you talked about the notion of pointing. Of indexicality, mm-hmm. right. That our rationality points us towards something beyond the immediate experience. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as a shorthand to start with, the evident, as distinct from evidence, is the basic structure of our experiential life. Right. If anyone has studied phenomenology, it's the idea that we can just experience reality, that reality is given to us through our senses. And this is something we share with the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. But we human beings have an additional structure laid on top of just the senses, and that's rationality. Right. Okay, so you're saying that the evidence has to begin there. Um, yeah, the evidence begins in our senses, right? but it becomes something more in the higher animals and in humans in particular. Mm-hmm. The evidence is presence. Right. So the evidence really is presence too, right? right? So and when we are present to something, it is evident to us. And, and that's and sight, like with the, the quote from Blake, right? when we see not through the eye, um, and, and that's the idea of what is revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Being is revealed to us. And what would be an example of the animal evident versus the human evident? 
we could even start back before the animal kingdom and think mm -hmm. of plants. Plants. Because plants respond in phototropism right. to something around them. Phototropism is the response to light, but tropisms are the response to their environment. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So even plants mm -hmm. do respond to their environment. Right. And that is the basis of the evidence. Right. And from that, sort of it, it ascends from there to like the animal notion of evidence where we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason that sight becomes so important because sight is just a shorthand for sensory experience and also ultimately for rational experience, which comes later in human beings. Yeah, so the difference between the evident in the animal kingdom and rational, the rational evident, is that the rational evident differentiates. Mm -hmm. It chops things up into bits and pieces rather than simply experiencing the world whole cloth. Right. So when an animal experiences the world, it doesn't differentiate a sun in the sky. Mm -hmm. That's something that we humans do, and right. that's part of the rational structure of the human mind, that spark of the of the divine. I know we're moving ahead by saying that, right. but the ability to differentiate is the rational ability. Mm -hmm. We see a sun in the sky. We can do that because we differentiate the sun from the sky. Animals don't do that. Right. They right. experience the thing as a whole. Okay. And then you talked about time and place presence. And another element of rationality mm -hmm is that we human beings differentiate time and place. Nice. So like an animal in Africa has no notion of the United States right. or any place other than where it itself is. Right. It is there. But more than that, it is also in the eternal present. Mm -hmm. There's no past, there's no future for animals. So it is human rationality that allows us to differentiate time into discrete parts, past, present, future, and also to differentiate space mm -hmm. into different places. And that's that's basic to human rationality. Didn't you come up with the term hermeneutics of inclusion? Isn't yeah. that something that in, you made? In my dissertation, I've never yeah. heard anyone else use that. Right. My understanding of human rationality is deeply influenced by Jean-Paul Sartre. Mm-hmm. And in my dissertation, I made the case that Sartre operates with a hermeneutics of inclusion. That is, when he interprets the nature of consciousness, he drops all of these necessary moments, not as developmental parts of what it is to be a, a human rationality, mm -hmm. but as something that is just present. Right. If we human beings find ourselves as conscious beings in the world doing all of these various things that are inherent in human consciousness. Now, I'm only going to give you a little bit more time to okay. discuss for this episode 57, corrigibility and value. Right. Corrigibility is the understanding that what we think can be corrected. So, for instance, an animal, uh, let's say a rabbit, sees a shadow come across his field of vision, and he sees that shadow as something to be run from. Now, the shadow and to be run from are not separated, and he can never be wrong. I mean, perhaps the shadow is just, you know, something that he need not fear, like a, a blue jay flying overhead. Mm -hmm. But he's never wrong by flying from that. They, they, there's nothing wrong with the rabbit doing that. He never thinks about that being right or wrong. Whereas a human being right. can be wrong about that, right? Mm -hmm. Because we think of it as a threat. And it either is a threat or it isn't a threat. The shadow is what it is. But we can be right about it or wrong about right. it. Sometimes it's a threat, sometimes it isn't. So human rationality has this capacity to be corrected. In other words, we move beyond the immediate experience to something that the experience means, something outside that mm -hmm. here and now. Okay. And now how about value? Can you sum that up? And this is all about summing up episode 57. Okay. And I to think make it more understandable. If I remember what happens in 57 is at the end I make the point that the only way in which human rationality can function in this way is that we understand the nature of the world as 
not things, mm -hmm. but as values. Mm -hmm. And that values are what is primarily given to us in the evident, mm -hmm. in what we experience. Right. So what we experience in the world primarily is not things. Mm -hmm. That's what we tend to think of it, but values. Right. So, you know, the tree limb that's standing in front of us is something that we have to step over. Mm -hmm. It is a negative value because it's in our way. Whereas the rabbit that's out there that we're that we're hungry for, that we want to kill so that we can have breakfast, supper tonight, that is a value, right? That's a positive value. And we're seeking that. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of our world is measured by human values. Everything that we see, everything that is a thing has a value okay. to us. Okay. So to summarize the whole episode in one statement, if I get you correctly, it would be that the evident is that which is revealed to us. Would yes. you say that? Would you say that 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 summarizes the whole episode fifty-seven? And yes. so when when our listeners listen to the Christian Atheist episode fifty-seven, they want to go into it with the evident is that which is revealed to us. Right. And even more importantly than that, the evident is what is revealed to us. And what is revealed to us is being. Okay. Right? So, so we're assuming that what we see, what we experience is real. Okay. So to summarize that, evident is that which is revealed to us, which is being. Yes. Okay. So now if those listening want to stop, no compromise, and go to episode 57 since this is all fresh in your mind, this is kind of like the cliff notes. You can go there, listen to John, discuss the evidence. Right. And understand that this is important. We're laying some groundwork right. as you read through this for what comes. And right. it will help us understand why we have, as believers, mm -hmm. plenty of evidence for yeah. believing in yeah, God. Yeah, and this, you know, you think of apologetic. We don't need to be afraid of those right. who ask for evidence. Right. Because there's a fundamental thing going on here that we need to be more clear about. Okay, so let's stop it here. Okay. And pause. If you would like to go off and listen to episode 57, now's a good time. Okay, now we're going to discuss episode 58 and 59 because 58 right. and 59 were a continuation of the same theme. Right. I wrote them all together right. and then had to separate them because <laughs> my wife said, why don't you create two from that because it's so long? I said, okay. <laughs> You're so sweet. Okay. So you ended 57 uh, with freedom um, and now you're going to begin this one with freedom. Right. Do you have anything you want to say about that right now? So in that hermeneutics of inclusion that we talked mm -hmm. about, one of the things that Sartre collapses into the nature of human consciousness is freedom. Mm -hmm. We are condemned to be free, right. Sartre says. And I think he's absolutely right on this. We have no choice but to live our lives as though we freely choose the values of the things around us, the world around us, and that we are therefore responsible for that world. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, I realized something about my husband that <laughs> is extremely hard to squeeze some sort of organization from out of you. I'm an organized person. I like to know my points yes. that I'm going to hear so I can follow the points. Yes. Um, so I had to really squeeze it out of you. Yeah. We'll try to do better with this in, in future editions, folks. But um, Jenny has a hard task in front of her when she asks me to try to summarize my episodes and make Clear so my points. I to say, can you just break it down into points? No, you can't. Okay, so I in this episode, these episodes, episode fifty and fifty nine, I was able to squeeze out of you that this is about the nature of metaphysics. Right. Well, actually, why don't you start by telling us what is metaphysics? Metaphysics is the story that we tell ourselves as human beings about the world in which we live. And because, as we said last time, all of our experience as rational beings is indexical, that mm -hmm. is, it points outside of the here and now 
right, to right. the there and then or future, mm -hmm. right? So everything about rationality points outside of rationality itself, outside of the merely evident right. to that which is outside of it, right? Like to ideals, to God, I would say, ultimately. Mm -hmm. But metaphysics is the story that we tell ourselves about what is outside. So when we see an event happening, we almost necessarily, by our rationality, seek to find the causes right. that brought something about. When we trace that backwards, what we're looking for is some sort of ground mm -hmm. on which everything else is standing. And metaphysics is that seeking for an ultimate ground. Okay, so right before you said all of that, I said we ended with freedom and we start with freedom. So how, how does freedom come in? Well, because we are free beings, right? Animals mm -hmm. don't care about metaphysics. Mm -hmm. Animals just simply experience, and this, is, this goes with that notion of evident. Animals experience the world in a single reality. Mm -hmm. But we want more because indexically, our rationality requires us to understand both time and place right. in a sense that is outside of our immediate experience. Okay. And so this, this nature of metaphysics is a kind of process. Wouldn't you say it's a kind of process? Right. Nes and that's how you lay it out in this ep these episodes. Right. So okay. metaphysics is a process in the sense that mm -hmm. it's a way for us to try to bring things together in a way that makes sense mm -hmm. of the variety of experience in our world. All this differentiated content that our rationality delivers to us. Okay. And so we ended with values. What do values have to do with this whole idea of the nature of metaphysics? Okay. As, so as I said last time, mm -hmm. everything that we experience in the world, that which is evident to us is a value. Mm -hmm. And because value indexes a mm -hmm. reality beyond itself, it causes us to place those values into some sort of value hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Because one thing is obviously more valuable than another, right? And so what we as human beings necessarily do is try to make sense of the world right. in such a way as to put together a value hierarchy. So there's a higher value, a lesser value, and so forth, all the right. way down the line. Maybe point to ideals right would you say right so mm -hmm. yeah everything that we experience points us to a rational ideal um so you know that's like plato talked about circles right we may mm -hmm. see a circle in the world a sphere but it's not a perfect circle but it points us to the notion of an ideal mm -hmm. circle <laughs> this is what you stand on truth yes metaphysics is isn't it like a, an attempt to uncover? Right. Metaphysics is really the attempt, the attempt to discover truth. Truth that, that's hidden from us. Which is another ideal, mm -hmm. which it's is kind of, another value. <laughs> which is like telling a story. Right. And, and the story is the attempt to reach that, that unrealizable <laughs> ideal. Yeah. The um, reality behind the evident. Right. Right. The evident is what is revealed to us. And the ideal is what that to which the evident points. Right. Yes. Okay. So then there's two approaches, right? Isn't that what you said in these episodes? There's two approaches? Two fundamental approaches mm -hmm. to metaphysics. Exactly. The first is the idea, and we can call this metaphysical realism, that our senses and our rational structures give us reality. But wait a second, isn't Give there a truth. problem in that approaching already assumes a metaphysics? It's like cir circularity. Right. Don't, so do, wouldn't you say? There, isn't that what you discussed, circularity? Right. There, There is a circularity to this. But first, we, we should get clear about the, the okay. two notions. Okay. So the first is that we can believe that our senses reveal to us truth at some level mm -hmm. when they're properly used. Mm -hmm. Or we can believe that essentially what we are is accidents of nature mm -hmm. 
that truth itself is not something real, that the pursuit of truth that our rationality drives us to is not valid. Mm -hmm. So we can either believe that we are structured in such a way as to really be able to discover truth, which is what science is all about, or we can believe that essentially we are creatures that are evolved to survive, mm-hmm. and truth is simply a notion that we have to which there is no ideal right. that we can strive for. Okay. So metaphysics gives us two possibilities. We can believe that we can actually discover truth. Is that privileging the evidence? And that, in that sense, what we're doing is we're privileging the evidence. Okay. And we and say so to ourselves that, that the evidence has to correct our metaphysical or, assumptions, or the, an- things, the stories that we tell ourselves. Or anchor us in what we see. Right. Right? Right. So, Would you say? Right. Which and tells, then, again, there we go back to the William Blake quote. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye. Or the other approach is to privilege rational speculation, right? Right, right. Which is just storytelling. Right. So in that sense. Okay, I got you. So going back to freedom again, as free individuals, you'd say we choose, huh? Yes. So we are condemned to be free, Sartre tells us. I was going to say, Sartre. Right. We can choose to believe that our senses reveal to us truth, and that our rational structures can lead us towards truth, or we can choose the other pole. So so what would you say is the default then? Default, I think, as human beings, we live as metaphysical realists. Okay. Unless our rationality gets engaged in a hyper Hyper. sense, and I call this hyper-rationality. Hyper-rationality. Right. And in that sense, what you do is tell yourself a story about how reality is not something mm-hmm. we can actually approach. Exactly. So basically, you're saying we choose. And we choose which one of these mm-hmm. is true. And that's the circularity of metaphysics. Okay. And that's what we get back to. Right. That's so point we're we- responsible for choosing right. which one of those we adopt. Right. Okay, so now we got to get to the end of episode 50 and 59 because we still have 60 and 61. So how does faith come into all of this? Oh. Like, you know what I'm saying? Okay, like, so faith comes into this because when we make a choice, mm-hmm. we we are standing in uncertainty. Right. Because we don't know which one is true. Mm-hmm. It could be the case, and I, I freely acknowledge this as a Christian right now, right. that I don't know for certain that there is a God, that I don't know for certain that my choice to believe in my rational structures right. and in the evidence that is given to me through my senses is real. Right. It's possible that that's all false and that we are living an illusion. But if we choose that one, then that's our faith structure. Because to stand in faith mm-hmm. is to say, hey, this is the metaphysical th- view that I think is correct. I'm going to stand on it and move forward with it. It's a value it. choice. And it is a choice of value. Right. Yes, right. exactly right. Okay, so let's, let's summarize two episodes. Episode 58 and 59. Let's just summarize it now, okay? Okay. And um, if I were to summarize what you just said, if we are to be rational creatures, it seems we must side with evident and not with hyper-rationality. Yeah. That's pretty good. Do you think that would be a good Love. summary? <laughs> yes. That if if we are going to continue to be rational creatures, if we are going to claim that we are scientific mm-hmm. and that we are following the evidence, then we are exercising faith in our rational structures, in the evidence itself, and saying to ourselves, We've got good reason to believe that there is a reality that we're pursuing and that we can touch it. Okay. And with that in mind, let's pause and allow our listeners, if they're interested, to go to episode 58 and episode 59. Listen with all of this in mind. These are the cliff notes, as we said before. We'll pause and let you go to that.
Okay, now we're on episode 60. And this one, you actually gave me some points. <laughs> Maybe I was getting better by this yeah, time. Yeah, you got really good. You got really, really good at this time. You'll get me polished up eventually. We had our little cheap cafe that we were sitting at, <laughs> at the park. Yes. <laughs> with our bring your own coffee, bring your own everything. <laughs> well, we can't afford... We can't afford to buy coffee, so <laughs> the best we can do is brew it ourselves and then go to an imitation cafe. <laughs> and then pretend to be fancy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so introduce episode 60. Um, it's, it, it, this is an interesting episode because this is like, I guess I would say maybe an exposition of the collapse of your atheist belief system. An yeah, this is on that in this series. This is the moment where I recognized that what I was doing mm -hmm. was essentially laying out the structure right. that allowed me to come back to Christ. Is this when you started realizing it's part of the machinery of the looking glass? Yeah, this is the moment. Mm -hmm. It's like this is how my atheism collapsed mm -hmm. because I began to realize if I was going to be a rational actor. If I was going to be a believer in science, there are some basic fundamental beliefs that underlay that. Right. And most people who are believers in scientism miss the fact that they are believers. Right. They're, and this is fundamental. They're kind of like, what, fundamental? They think that they finite. are- they are simply believing the evidence. Right, but instead they're like fundamental, finite, ignorant creatures searching, you know, for a real truth that they can that can be discovered. Right. They miss they miss the fact that we human beings are fundamentally ignorant. Right. Every right. one of us. Every one of us. And that we and stand when we time. move forward mm -hmm. always on faith. Right. Yes. Right. It's unavoidable. Faith is the structure of human existence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So there's about five points, and you just you want to touch on each point briefly, okay? Okay. If I will try. Okay. Because <laughs> you still have episode 61 to go through. Okay. So fundamental faith is belief in God, right? That's basically the first thing you you touch on. That that's how you begin this this episode. That fundamental faith is belief in God. Yeah, this so, so what would you say is belief in God? This is is the point that it all comes down to. And I, I probably would quibble a little bit with the notion that it's belief in God, because I think belief in God actually comes a little later. Because the fundamental faith that I'm talking about is that basic belief that what is given to us through our senses, through our rational structures is good, mm -hmm. right? So we're assigning a value to the evidence. Mm -hmm. And we say that what is given to us is good. And this is equivalent to what is said in Genesis over and over and over again in the first two chapters. God saw that what he had created was good. good. And this is important language mm -hmm. because exactly. it doesn't say God thought it was good. He says God saw it mm -hmm. was good. Exactly. We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye. Mm -hmm. God himself saw that what he created was good. So the evidence that appears to us, we are saying to ourselves, this is good. This mm -hmm. is valuable. This is real. This mm -hmm. is truth. And we can trust it. Right. You can ask, seek, and knock. Right. This is the basic fundamental faith on which everything is built. Right. And these are the two divisions of our faith structures. We can believe that it's real and true, and then we can seek and knock. And, and that leads and it will us be to open the next point where we can deny belief in God. So would you say this is kind of like the second choice of metaphysics? Right. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're still at this level. We mm -hmm. exist those two fundamental choices, and they are choices, mm -hmm. metaphysical choices. We can choose to believe that the evidence reveals to us truth, that our rationality reveals to us truth, or we can deny right. that it does. Right. And if we and deny so it, we lose rationality too. Right. 
So what do you think? Is it logic that causes us to deny reality itself? Um, I think it's hyper-rationality. Because we start to think that the story that we tell ourselves, isolated Mm -hmm. from the truth, the reality that we experience as humans on an everyday basis, is more true. And that therefore, we have the right, the arrogant right, to enforce our rational story mm-hmm. on the world itself. And then you end up denying- and This is, I mean, this is Marx. Right. This is Hegel. And you <laughs> end up denying- si- Or you said Hegel. I said Hegel, yes. Ah, oh, okay, strike one. <laughs> um, and in choosing this, you're denying science. Right? Yeah, wouldn't I think so. Say, wouldn't you say that? I do think so. And, and of course, it's never quite that easy. Because most atheistic scientists would tell you that you can have all of these things without believing in God. You can have but your cake and eat it. You can too. have your cake and eat it too, yes. <laughs> that you can have all these things and not believe in God. But I don't think you can because what is God? God mm-hmm. is the ideal mm-hmm. of all of those things that our rationality gives to us. Right. And so they hold on to the ideal, but they deny the grounds right. for that ideal. That brings us to the next point. What is the check and balance? So the evidence is meant to be, and I think God specifically means it to be, a check on our rational speculation Mm -hmm. about the nature of the reality in which we live. And of course, what I mean by rational speculation is science, Mm -hmm. because we're constantly seeking to approach the asymptote of reality. We, as scientists, want to more clearly align our views of the world with the reality of the world, and the only way to do that is through the evidence. Right, because we believe there's an answer. Right. And, And because we believe there's an answer, we continue to try to match up our rational storytelling with the evidence itself, what right. it reveals I was just to going us. To say that, yeah. And it is the evidence that must correct our rational structures, yeah. not the other way around. Right. What about lying to ourselves as your next point in the actual episode? Okay. So this takes us back to the quote by Blake We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye. We have to be free to lie to ourselves or we can't believe the truth. Right. So the idea of freedom is central here. Mm -hmm. Because if we cannot lie to ourselves, we cannot embrace the truth either. We need to be able to tell ourselves stories about reality Mm -hmm. in order to embrace the truth, find the truth, because we're not going to be content to live at the level of the animals. Right? right, we want to understand more clearly what the reality is like. Right. That's the ultimate adventure of seeking to understand, as Einstein said, the mind of God. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right, he said, "I want to know the mind of God," mm-hmm. and that's the search of the scientist. And the other option is to be tyrannized by. So yeah, so in wanting to know that, we can choose to believe that the evidence reveals to us the truth, so long as we use it properly. Or we can embrace the lie. Right. And we can always choose to do that. We can choose to enforce what we think in our heads on reality itself. And again, I say that this is very typical of our world today. Right. We look around and we think, well, I'd like to be a girl today. Well, I was born a boy. I can't choose to be a girl. Reality dictates what we need to think about reality. We are not free to make reality conform to our conceptual understanding of it. And then that leads us to the final point. We choose to be God. Yes. We either privilege reality or we choose ourselves. Yes. Which takes us back to the Chronicles of Narnia. (laughs) Hegel, (laughs) but the Chronicles of Narnia too. The witch. The witch, yes, Jadis. She chose to be God. Yes, she she puts herself in the place of God. The deplorable word we said. Right, back Mm -hmm. in 
the magician's nephew, in using then, the deplorable word, yeah. she put herself at the apex of that value hierarchy. Right. She makes herself God. Right. Whereas, as those of us who respect the evident, mm-hmm. when we see value, we understand that value points to higher and higher value structures. And ultimately, then, as Aristotle will tell us, there must be a highest good from which all other good comes. And that good is God. Right. Goes back to all the way. Two good examples would be Satan, who wants to be in the place of God, and he tempts Eve with, you shall be as God. Right. And then Cain, who says, I'll do it my way. Right. As opposed to Abel, who said, okay, God, how do I please you? So Abel's approach was that of respecting the evident. Right. And Cain's was hyper-rationality. Right. He said, I will do it my way, and God will have to accept it. Mm -hmm. So I guess the summary of this episode 60, again, let's repeat what we said before, is that we're ignorant creatures searching for a real truth that can be discovered. Mm -hmm. Would you say that would be the summary? Yes. Would you say that's a good place to pause and let the listeners, if they want to go to episode 60? Yes, I think that's a good point. Okay. Okay, now we're on to episode 61, and this whole episode summarizes episodes 57 through 60. Right. So now you're going to summarize the summary. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure you'll have lots to say. I always do. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's begin by talking about, you say that each option has fundamental problem in metaphysics. What what are those fundamental problems, each option? So we might say that the first metaphysical option corresponds best with the notion of Western theism. Mm -hmm. The idea that we must respect reality And that reality is best revealed to us through our senses and rational structures. Mm -hmm. And that that rationality points us to an ideal that is God. And what's the problem with that, though? The problem with that ideal is that God is conceived as ultimately good, the sumum bonum of Aristotle that we talked about last time. Mm -hmm. But the world has evil in it. Right. So how do we explain the existence of evil in this world that is created by a perfectly good God? And the problem of evil has been an ongoing problem for all of Western theism throughout its entire existence, and I don't think it's been solved. (laughs) Yeah. So then on the other hand, what's the problem of atheism? The problem on the opposite side is when you deny that the universe is good, that God created a good universe, Mm -hmm. that you're stuck with the reality that human beings, in experiencing the evidence, experience value Value. as real. Right. And how then do you explain the reality of value? And no human being can live any other way except by believing value to be real. Right. And so you're stuck with some unsolvable problems, no matter which metaphysical side you take. Mm -hmm. But I find the existence of value as real affirms everything in human existence. And that for me was the point at which I said, when I came to the end of my atheism, I said to myself, which world am I going to choose? Mm -hmm. Am I going to choose the world that has Jenny? (laughs) And a good world? I mean, because you are part of the good world. And either you're real or you're just a subjective value in my mind that has no real validity, no real value. And I couldn't live in that world. Mm -hmm. I did not want that world. It wasn't just you because all of the other things played into it as well. I know. The the love of literature, of poetry, of, of music, all of those things, the value is either real or it isn't. Right. And I decided that value was real. So taking the atheism problem, you're saying that being hyper-rational undermines its own rationality, basically. That's what you 
So the hyper-rational position essentially undermines rationality itself. Yeah. And so if we cannot trust, if we cannot look to the ideal that rationality points us to, then there is no such thing as reality. There is no such thing as truth. And science is a chimera. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really pursue anything at all. And when you say it becomes parasitic on... Yes, because there is no way for human beings to live Mm -hmm. without believing in value. Right. And the attempt to do it is what we call nihilism. Right, right. So um, we said at the beginning that we were going to give some definitions. Why don't we complete No Compromise number 11 with you reading from your actual Christian Atheist transcript? Go ahead. All right. So we offer some definitions. Mm -hmm. Faith, I say, is the determination to move forward or to act in the face of uncertainty. Right. And certainty is the ideal of knowledge, of faith, but it must not be short-circuited here on earth. Certainty is the asymptote we approach through faith. And this gives the lie to the notion that science knows. Right? Science doesn't know. It is approaching the truth. Right. It seeks to find knowledge. Okay, how about a definition for value? Okay, I'll quote right from the yeah. from the transcript. Why don't you do that? Value, however, is the very condition of aiming. That is of intending something that we human beings do. When we look at something, we're aiming. When we see something, we're aiming. Value, however, is the very condition of aiming. And what we mean by value is that which value intends. Value is thus circular, self-evident, axiomatic. It is the foundational launch pad for rational understanding. Without it, there is no rationality. It is one of those things we cannot argue for. It is evident. It is the evidence itself. Which brings us to defining the evident and the evidence. Right. That's the, that's the big definitions. That's right. So this is kind of the whole point exactly. of everything we undertook in this, in this series. series. Right. The evident is experience of being what Sartre called phenomenological ontology, including rational indexicality, intentionality, whereas evidence is a rationalization of the evident as support for a metaphysical explanation of the evident. Evidence, then, is metaphysically loaded. And what I mean by this is that when an atheist asks, for example, for evidence of God, they are already making a metaphysical assumption because they have already in mind that there is no evidence for God. They've already concluded that. And no matter how much they protest to the contrary, any evidence that you give them will not suffice. And yet, for a Christian, someone who has believed already in the goodness of our senses of the evidence, everything is evidence of God. And so we have to understand the distinction between the two. So here's the definition I give for evidence. Okay, go ahead. Evidence is that to which we refer as indicating that our rational explanation, our metaphysics, adequately accounts for the evident for our experience. Alternatively put, evidence is that which we present in support of a metaphysical or a rationalized account for the evident. Thus, if we begin by denying at the metaphysical level, at the level of rational explanation of the evident, that the evident points to the ideal asymptotes of knowledge, to reality and truth, to value, the second option to which we have referred in this series, we can never subsequently find evidence for them 
without first altering our metaphysics. God is, on principle, absent from all evidence. To admit evidence for God, on the other hand, is to recognize that he is the basis for all evidence, for being and rationality itself. Atheism cannot find or admit evidence for God precisely because it is the denial of any possibility of such evidence. Okay, that's fantastic. All right, so, John, you can't go any further. You've gone long enough. Let me just read the last paragraph. <laughs> okay. I chose, when I returned to theism, to believe that the evidence revealed to me the truth, knowing that I was choosing between options that rationality alone could not decide. It was, for me, as it is for all of us, a choice of value. I want to live in a world where I can believe my senses, trust my reasoning, discover truth and meaning, and in which those things I value, those people I love, the beauty of creation, of literature, and art, possess more than relative or epiphenomenal value or meaning. It is only in God's world that rationality does this. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. This is why I am a Christian. That's how you end every episode of The Christian Atheist and No Compromise. That's right. And that's why it brings us full circle mm -hmm. back to the very beginning. Exactly. And now you can go forward. Yep. Where is The Christian Atheist going to go now? That's a really good question. <laughs> We've been discussing that, and it's kind of a quandary. We'll uh, we'll have to see. I love you, Jennifer Ann. I Thank love you for you, doing John. this with me. You're welcome, and I enjoy it. I live for it. Okay, so at this point, well, we'd love to have comments mm -hmm. about what you'd like to hear. Yeah, that would be good if you could tell us what you want to hear us discuss. That would be fantastic. Yep. I. I'm a Christian, with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening, and remember... You can have your religious cake and eat it, too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.